You're listening to the Not So Black and White Real Estate Podcast with your hosts, Sir Colin Campbell and Gary A. McGowan. Good afternoon, good afternoon. It's your host, Sir Colin Campbell here. And I'm never alone when I'm on the podcast. I'm with my brother from another mother. A Gary, white mother. <laughs> Gary A. McGowan. Um, today we had an amazing guest uh, on the podcast today. It's someone that we, I think we've wanted to have this person on the podcast since we even started. But the moment we were challenged on getting her uh, on getting her on the podcast and we actually wrote it down it's funny how quickly it became a reality and in less than three months after writing it down and being challenged on it you know in less than three months we've we we managed to have Diana Kokoska on the podcast we had an amazing interview with her Gary I mean you just take it take it away man take it away <laughs> thanks no it, it's pretty cool because uh and what did it take apart from you know us and and more importantly you uh creating a relationship uh with her so we could ask her but at the end of the day was it not just an ask that's all it was and it's funny because it's after the relationship was created i remembered oh by the way we did have that goal to have you on can we have you on the podcast? So the relationship never became about the podcast. No, that was a second thought. Yeah, it yeah. was just a second thought. Yeah. So uh, who's Diana Kokoska? Why, why are we so excited to have her on? Well, let me share with you a little bit about her. And then uh, Colin and I are going to share some of our ahas, uh, perhaps from, from our interview with her. And um, anyways, here's Diana. As a former CEO of KW Maps Coaching, Diana is responsible for building the most powerful coaching and mastermind program in the industry. She has led a team of more than 100 MAPS coaches who provide coaching programs tailor-made to help their clients build on the Keller Williams business models. Her entrepreneurial spirit and industry renown have resulted in many industry honors and awards, including the Stevie Award for the Best Sales Coaching Program and appointed to the President of the United States Business Advisory Council. I like that one. Yeah, hey now. Uh, Denver Entrepreneur of the Year in 1984, in 1991 and Denver Businesswoman of the Year in 1986, 2003, and 2004. Unbelievable. Uh, Kokoka's, Diana's uh, tenacity and ingenious methods have not only brought her press covers, they have brought her big business. She believes we are all creative, resourceful, and whole. May we empower others to actively engage to and participate in their own involving transformations. She is big on that. Here's a few other of her awards. Um, um, Businesswoman of the Year, which I mentioned, the who's who in America, best of the best in real estate, top 50 most influential women in real estate, realtor of the year, and many, 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 many other accolades. <laughs> uh, she has definitely transformed uh, the Keller Williams and really the real estate coaching industry with uh, the programs that she's written and uh, and how she pours into those pro programs and really leads by, by example. Absolutely. And it's uh, just... You know, interacting with Diana over the last uh, couple of months uh, on, a, on on a more deeper level, she's the most one of the most authentic person uh, people I know. Like, and she's so caring. She genuinely cares about you yeah. and about your success and the life that you live because she wants everyone around her to live a big life. Yeah, and this is somebody that's like 
she she walks her talk her, in her first year. Do you remember how many deals she said she? A hundred and four deals her first year. I was like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. There we go. A <laughs> hundred in her first year, and she's gone on to do you know thousands and thousands of transactions, and and that just enabled her. Uh, or created the foundation for what she really was destined to do, right? Absolutely. And she talked about that. Yeah, absolutely. We, we all have a purpose. And, and, and do you remember the two dates that are most important uh, in her world? The date you were born and the date you realize why you were born. Yeah. Or your purpose in life. Your purpose in life. And, yeah. and she's clearly found uh, her purpose. Yeah. Uh, you can tell that, obviously. And, and her purpose, one of those is, well, the main that main purpose is to help others find their purpose. Yeah. What is your biggest takeaway you got from her? Um, that you can never have enough questions. Yep. And and that is what she does. She is she she just writes questions down in her. She journals every day and writes questions down. And she shared uh, was it twenty or so with us at the end of the yeah. uh, end, end of the interview. Thirteen, and, I think it was. Yeah. Thirteen. And Colin and I started writing them down. We're like, forget this. We're just gonna watch. Just, the just podcast. listen. Yeah, yeah. Just listen and just take it all in. And it wasn't about. Um, you know, how can I get more leads or how can I do bigger business? It was all internal. Yeah, absolutely. Who am I helping? Why didn't I help them or not? What, you know, how can I help them be different? How can I help myself be different? Uh, it was, it was very deep and, and, um, you can tell she thinks hard about these questions because they're impactful and, and they make you stop and question yourself, am I really making a difference? Absolutely, absolutely. I think my biggest takeaway from the conversation and the interview that we've had, more conversation that we had with Diana, is, uh, and she said this a number of times, she said, you can't give what you don't have. And that was around leadership, and it almost trans, it, it, it goes to everything that she's saying. As a leader, we cannot lead a team if we're not studying leadership. Right. If we want to, you know, bless uh, a lot of charities out there with monies, if we don't have that money, there's no way we can give that to other people. So it just comes back to you can't give what you don't have. And it, it when she mentioned that a few times, I went internally a lot there. Uh, uh, we both did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there, yeah. And, and, you know, as as a as a good. As a, as a great coach or, or a partner or somebody that is, you know, even in conversation, uh, the, the best conversation partner is one who listens. There were many times where both of you and I were just listening. Yeah. We had no idea what the next question was going to be because uh, her words are so powerful and you know they come from the heart. Yep. And uh, the, the one question that I wrote down here, uh, you had asked her, what do you ask most of other people? Or how, how something along those lines. And the question or the answer was to that individual, do you want success or significance? Oh, that one. And they, yeah. they're both intertwined. But yes. man, yeah. That yeah, one was a big was good. One. Anyways, oh. so... Lots of lots of awesome truth bombs, and don't you worry, we did rapid fire questions with yes. her. It kind of it, it changed the whole aspect of the interview, so it, she had a lot of fun with that. Uh, so, without further ado, here is our interview with Diana Kokoska. That's right, Diana. Thank you so much for being a part of this. We truly, truly appreciate it. I mean, you're someone that I can speak personally that I've admired my entire. Uh, tenure in real estate. And now to have you on the podcast is an actual dream come true. And they talk about writing your goals down. Only 
three months ago, we wrote down that we're going to have Diana on our podcast. And here it is. <laughs> Actually, the goal was to have Diana on the podcast before the year is over. And uh, here, it is. <laughs> here it is. So um, just for our viewers who don't know who Diana Kokoska is, you know, just tell us in your own words, you know, just a quick bio, who Diana Kokoska is. Uh, if you ask me who I am, I would say I'm a child of God. Yes. <laughs> First thing I would say. Then where, what happened in my life, most people know me because uh, you've heard the story. I got into real estate because I bid on a television PBS show where they were auctioning it off. It was about two o'clock in the morning. I got in for $50. Thank goodness, because I didn't have a whole lot of money. And then when I passed my license, I actually put my kids in a red wagon and went door to door because I couldn't afford a babysitter. And so with all of that happening, I realized that lead generation was the main thing to real estate, getting to know those people. I took a house, uh, the households of about 100 homes and literally got to know those people so well. I mean, I knew their names, their kids' names, their dogs' names. I drove the neighborhood. Uh, I drove it every morning very early as people would take their kids to school. My kids were little at the time. And I would wave to them. They thought I lived in their neighborhood. I actually didn't. I lived about uh, five miles away. I shopped at the stores where they shopped. And, uh, I mean, I had Santa Claus visit their house with me uh, during Christmas time if they believed in Santa, which I knew if they did or not. I had pictures with Santa inside their homes. I mean, I did all sorts of things to get to know those people. And no one succeeds alone. They started helping me. I started hosting house parties. You know, back in the day, it was when Tupperware was really big. And with Tupperware, they would have people come in and you would give a Tupperware party where they would sail and you got a gift for being the hostess. So I thought, well, this is great. And these gold chains were really popular back then. And of course, I could buy them wholesale with uh, some inns, some people that I knew. So I bought the chains wholesale and I gave a chain to a woman if she held an investment party. And I would go in and teach people how to invest in real estate inside the home with the party. And it was so much fun. And of course, uh, refreshments. And at first, we just started with the women. And then the guys wanted to start coming in. So I said, well, if I can bring my kids at night, they can play with your kids and we'll have an investment party. Well, then I started helping people invest in real estate. And uh, then I started getting known for many other things. So it was just one thing led to another, led to another. The main thing, though, is you got to build those relationships. And that's what I learned at a very young age. Relationships take you a lot of places. Go ahead, Nir. Awesome. So <laughs> I'm going I'm to come back to some of those points you made uh, later in the podcast because I know we'll be able to tie it in quite nicely. But uh, so you, you started your career by prospecting as, as every agent should and, yes. and creating a, a network that you could influence. Uh, we, I want to spend a little bit of time there and then we'll move into some of the, uh, you know, the, the courses and things you, uh, material you provided for Keller Williams and not only for Keller Williams, but for all agents out there. But talk to us, I just want to set the foundation before we get to that point. Talk to us a little bit about what it takes to build, you, you touched on it like what it takes to build, um, you know, a network of raving fans, if you will. 
Hey, well, number one, they got to like you. <laughs> <laughs> I, you got to like them. Find out where the common bond is. You know, the, the book, Everyone Communicates, Yet Few Connect, is so important because it's that connection that actually makes people and where they want to help you, they desire to help you. And so when you're prospecting, find out what do you have in common? Because if you have nothing in common, you're never going to build a relationship. You're never going to be able to influence them because it's all about influence. And then find out the needs. When you give people what they desire, like you guys are giving them a great podcast, the people that actually want to hear this, want to learn, are on this podcast right now. And the people that didn't want to be on it are not on it. So simple. So are you giving the people what they want? If they're not accepting it or not desiring it or not clamoring after it, then you're not giving them what they want. For example, uh, HUD homes. Now, I know a lot of younger people don't want to hear about the past. It's like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. I move forward, yet I learn from the past. She's talking to you, Colin, by the way. Okay. That's exactly right. <laughs> I, know your, I know your number. Uh, you know, Finding what people wanted. They wanted to get into the HUD homes. Back in those days, I mean, it was pretty bleak. Uh, Many, many HUD homes all over the place, only you couldn't get into them because every office had one key and one key only. So if an agent took that key out and my buyer wanted to see a HUD home, I couldn't show them any HUD home because there was only one key. So I said, well, every buyer wants to see a HUD home. So I actually ended up going back to Washington, D.C. I had to go that far to allow realtors to get into HUD homes with, by putting lockboxes on the HUD homes. So that actually got me Businesswoman of the Year, which then I used that to influence more business people. So every, every time you look for a need, and you solve that need for the people, and if it's something that's for the masses, uh, you're gonna be able to spin off of it in so many ways. So what is it that your buyers are looking for? What is it in this area that the people are looking for? When I started knocking doors, uh, I did a survey. And of course I would say, do you have two minutes to help me with the survey? And then you don't pause, you go right into the survey and they'll start answering. If you pause, you're dead, they'll say no. So I would ask them, like, do you think there's enough shopping in the area? Well, I knew there wasn't enough shopping. So that really got them talking because I knew everybody wanted a grocery store because they were traveling about five miles to get to a grocery store. When you got two little kids in the car and a dog or whatever else, it gets crazy. So they would talk to me. And then I took it to King Supers, which was a branch at, in a chain in uh, Arvada, Colorado, Denver area. And I said, look how many people are saying they want a grocery store out here. And I only, you know, went to a hundred doors. There were about 900 doors plus more and more people were buying homes and they were building out in the area and it was growing rapidly. Well, they let me know when they were gonna build the store. I went back out. Now I had something to tell everybody. And I became known as the local expert, which is what Keller Williams likes you to be known for, right? That's why they gave us the app and everything else so we could do that. So when you think about it, 
what do you people need? What do your people want? And then figure out a way to give it to them and they will beat down your door, right? So it sounds like every, <clears throat> excuse me, every time you saw a, a challenge in the community, you just went out and solved that problem and you made connection with the members of that community, which built relationships, which create raving fans. Right. And then the best question you can always ask the people that you like, obviously, and you build relationships with is who do you know that I should know? And then would you make the introduction for me? And that led me to getting to know more and more and more people. See, people say to me, how did you sell 104 homes your very first year in real estate? One thing. Sorry, they, how much was that again? Sorry, 100 104 homes my first year. No one has ever done that by themselves. Yes, if you have a team, I'm sure you could beat that. Even your first year, though, I doubt it. I don't know. Uh, Impressive. My goal was 100. See, nobody ever told me you couldn't do it. Uh, that was the funny part. And I never went into the office really to talk to the negative people. I, I would go in for their sales meetings and that's about the only time they would see me. I would go in in the evening time uh, just to put my listings and my sales because they had a sales board and that and they wanted you to write them on. And that was about it. Short of that, I was never in the office. I was out meeting the people. So, so because Experts somewhere. Know that area better than anybody else. Get to know the people better than anybody else. People are, they want to belong to something right now. And they have a community where most people don't even know their next door neighbors. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when you started, you said your first year you sold 104 homes. Your goal was to sell 100 homes. Yes. In your circle or who did you know that was selling 100 homes? Well, I didn't know any realtors. I only knew the one that had sold me my house. And she kept bugging me to be in real estate because she said, you just have a knack. You'd be so good. Roseanne was her name. And uh, I bought my first house uh, when I was in college and then immediately bought the second house, which I started. I got married. I raised a family and um, stayed in that house clear up until they were 18. I was too busy to move. People go, you're in real estate and you don't move. I go, I don't have time to move. I wanted to, to help people. And uh, the hundred homes, the 104 homes just seemed pretty natural and pretty easy. No, it may I have a question. I got to jump in there. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, what do you think? So you're the realtor that purchased the home for you. What do you think she saw in you to know that you would be, an outstanding realtor. What did, what does she see? Uh, she just told me that I cared about people and that I, uh, I had been a waitress back in the day. They call them servers now. Right. And I had always been in the service industry. I started uh, working when I was five, I was over the magazine rack in my mother and dad's grocery store. And I was taught back then that if somebody came in and picked up a, a magazine with a car on it, that I was to grab every magazine that had a car on it and say, oh, if you like that one, you might like this one too. And I got paid per magazine. So I sold a lot of magazines. And then of course, as I grew, when I was eight years old, if you can imagine now, they would never allow this. I was uh, at the cash register, I actually had to stand on a three-step stool to get to the cash register to 
ring up all the things and to give change. So being good in math came about from all of that, right? I just, I had been taught to upsell, like when somebody came through and they had cantaloupe in their cart, I would say, have you ever tried cantaloupe and ice cream together? It's really good. Or if they had ice cream, I'd go, do you have all the toppings that you need? Don't you think you should get whipped cream and nuts to put on top of that with that caramel, right? And so dad taught us really well to always ask. So when I started real estate, it was simple for me to go in. And if I was going to list a home, I said to them, you know, well, as long as I'm coming out, do you have any other properties we should be looking at? And people would say, well, all of the others are rentals. And I go, well, maybe because of the tax ramifications, you would be better to do a 1031 tax deferred exchange and get rid of those and Let's at least look at that, okay? And so I found that I got more, I wanted more than one listing when I went into their house, if it was possible, and it was good for them. That, that's the big thing. It wasn't just about selling the house. It was making certain that it was good for them. Wow, that's awesome. What I heard there was uh, all the scripts that you're so famous for, uh, the foundation was laid by your parents, perhaps. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I'll tell you one thing that I believe would help every person out there, whether you're a realtor or not. My dad, when I was in ninth grade, uh, he gave me a record called The Strangest Secret by Earl Nightingale, which I literally wore out uh, over my the time <laughs> that I've had it. And he gave me a second one. I haven't worn that one out because I don't have anything to play it on now, yet I still have the record, right? Well, he also said, Diana, everybody wears a sign around their neck. And I don't care what you do in your life, you'll be successful when you know how to read the sign. Well, I said, okay, what does it say? And he goes, no, 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 you have to figure that out. So every night at dinner, because back in those days, you actually ate dinner as a family, right? Even if it was in the back of the grocery store, we ate dinner as a family. And he would say, what's on the sign? And I'd go, oh, dad, I don't, I don't know. Just tell me. No, you got to figure it out. Well, he drove me crazy to the point that I kept thinking, what's on this sign? I was in a drugstore back in the day. You actually had Cokes and that at the drugstore soda fountain talking to this lady. And as I got up to leave, she said, well, thanks for conversing with me and making me feel important. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's what that sign said. It says, make me feel important. Make me feel important. So I, I ran home <laughs> literally and said, dad, dad, I actually know what the sign says. I think it says, make me feel important. And he said, that's right. He said, some people have a sign that's just little teeny tiny And some people have a billboard that's flashing, right? And you got to figure out because when you can help people feel important, then you're going to be successful. Only it's got to be authentic. Absolutely. A lot of people say things and, you know, they're kind of slimy. I don't know what other word to say or use. They're so nice to you and they smile at you and they, they act like they're, that they like you. Only, no, they like what you can give to them or what you can do for them. There are people that love people and use things. And that's who I want to be all my life. Love people and use things. And then there are people that use people and love things, right? I want to love people and use things. 
And I've met a lot of the other type, especially being a CEO. There's many, many people that are so, so great to you because you're a CEO. And I realized that they're doing the best they can. You don't judge them. You just know that they like the CEO. They don't like me. They like the CEO. And so whoever is the next CEO, they'll like them and you'll be shoved to the side. Your true friends will like you no matter what your title is. Your true relationships are built with people that like you. And uh, I mean, like you're making me feel very, very important by allowing me to share. And the people that are listening, they, they can either stay on or tune out. They, they have a choice too, right? Isn't it great? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now we're going to just uh, pivot a little bit and talk about leadership because as the CEO of, uh, at one point you were the CEO of Keller Williams. Uh, and oh, of Maps Coaching. Oh, Maps Coaching, my apologies. Maps coaching. Maps coaching. Yeah, no, that's okay. I just wanted to make sure I was authentic there. <laughs> Yeah, CEO of Maps Coaching, and you're known for being a great leader and influencing a lot of uh, hundreds, if not thousands, of agents. Um, I think my first question to you is, or our first question to you is, what does leadership mean to Diana? Well, to me, uh, leadership is very, very important because leadership, well, if people aren't following you, Uh, you look behind you and nobody's there. You're just out taking a hike, right? You're not a leader. A lot of people think they have to have a title to be a leader. They don't. Every single one of us are a leader and we're always influencing somebody. You may be influencing your wife to go to the movie with you or out to dinner. She may be influencing you as to which movie you're going to see, right? Everybody is a salesperson and everybody is a leader, even if they're only leading themselves. So to me, leadership is something that should be studied by every single person out there because your leadership, and as John Maxwell says, leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. Well, if you're going to influence people, you're going to sell. If you're going to influence people, it may be your idea that you sell to them. You're selling something and influence allows them to open up their mind and take it in. So Without leadership, you have no influence. And without influence, I don't know how you move forward in the world. A follow-up question to that, Diana. And in the few minutes that we've been on air, the word influences came up, uh, came up a lot. Tell me yeah. more about that. Well, it's interesting because uh, a gentleman uh, called and asked if he could interview me on influence. And it ended up with me writing a, a chapter in his book on what influence means to me. And I, I was telling you guys that before. So I figured you might be asking me some of those questions, right? But he asked, what, what is influence? How do you define it? And to me, the, the core, at the core of influence, well, it's about making people move through our expressed ideas as well as our silence. You can say things, words matter. And what we say and how we say it will influence other people. Yet our silence influences people as well because our body language is 55% of our communication. 
So no matter what you say, what you do actually speaks much louder. So with the influence, we influence them by our action. We also influence them by our inaction. Mm-hmm. Think about the people that have influenced you. How did they influence you? Was it through their actions, through their words, through their tonalities? Was it a combination of all of it? Was it how smart they were, the things that they shared with you? Or did they influence you the most because they changed your life? They said something or did something that resonated with you that they didn't really speak to you from their head. They spoke more from their heart. And their heart communicated with your heart. And because of that, you said, I'm going to take that idea and I'm going to implement that idea. And your life changed. So I think influence is allowing people to become all that they can be because you see so much more in them. Just like with you, Colin, at Coaching Skills Camp. I pulled you aside. I remember exactly and I said to you, I see something in you. I see leadership in you. And by heck, you better bring it out of you or I'm going to track you down, right? Sometimes we influence people because we blaze a trail, right? I mean, we go boldly where no person has ever gone before. And uh, to take the words of who was it, Kirk? Captain Kirk. Captain Kirk, yeah, the boldly go. Right, right, right. And we move them because they see that we're going somewhere and they want to follow us, which is leadership. So that's one way to influence. Another way, though, is to literally see something in them and then let them know of your belief in them. Speak goodness into them. Speak betterness into them, a betterness. Is that a word? I don't know. It is in our podcast. It is now. now. Uh, I have a question around that influence, uh, a question around the influence, Diana. Is is that something that is earned before you can provide influence or is it just something that is a leadership quality? Hmm. Um, As I think about that, that's interesting. I think it's earned. I think the biggest thing about influence that we have is that I think you've got to be intentional about influence. And I, I'm very intentional about the things I do. Uh, intentional in a way that, I mean, every morning my phone gives me an alert at 7 a.m. that says, what will you do to add value to people today? And at 7 p.m. it gives me an alert and it says, what did you do? to add value to people today. And I think it's still that speaking part, speak goodness into them and people grow into the conversations you create around them. So what kind of conversations are you creating around your kids especially? Because when you speak to them about what they got wrong on a test, then you're speaking not so, you're not speaking good into them. When you speak about what they did right and how they can be better and how you see them, boy, if anybody can ace the test, that's you. I know that you can do it. Oh, you have to say that. You're my mom or you're my dad. No, I don't have to say that. I could say the opposite. You have friends that their parents say the opposite? Ask them. And then, of course, they come home and they go, yeah, 
And when we're just always speaking that greatness into people and taking a stand for their greatness, because people will fight you for their limitations. They will absolutely fight to stay where they're at. And sometimes as a leader, it's not about being nice all the time. It's about wanting the things so much for those people that you're willing to not have them like you maybe. Because when I, I mean, let's face it, I've said some things to people that, well, Gina Ron didn't like me when I said, Gene, you are a million-dollar producer cleverly disguised as a $400,000 producer because he thought he was doing so good at 400000 because he was number one in the market center. Well, there's always somebody better out there than we are, right? And so I just kept hounding him. Well, when he made a million dollars, he actually came to our house and thanked me. And now he's making almost $3 million, so he kind of likes that discussion that we had. He did not like it then. I don't know if you like the discussion we had, Colin. I just know that what I saw in you, you needed to bring out. And I think you liked it. And look at you now. Look at what you're doing. It's not just because of that conversation. You're going places, both of you. You're going places. Appreciate that, Diana. Question about uh, that, that last comment you made where, you know, um, and as leaders... Um, sometimes it can be challenging to have open and honest conversation with the people that we lead and the people around us, but at the same time, we want to speak greatness into them. How do we walk that thin and narrow line? I think it's a great question. Number one is I believe when something isn't going right, you call someone in immediately and you sit down. Now, I've got to tell you, A lot of people, they have the sandwich. Uh, In Australia, they call it the crap-filled lolly, right? Where you tell them something good, then you tell them something bad, then you tell them something good, right? And and I love that when I heard the Australian people say, oh, that's the crap-filled lolly. We don't do that. Well, I think what you do is you do say to them that they mean a lot to you. In the discussion, you just want to bring up how this one thing is affecting you or the team or whatever. And then you give them an example of what happened, right? And so by giving them an example around the issue that you have, then they can see what happened. And you can say, so what do you think the people actually felt or thought when that happened? You get some discussion going and you always end it with, I really want to work this out if you want to work it out. Hmm. Are you willing to do that and move forward with a new commitment, with a new expectation, with something different? But I think you owe it to them to do it quickly. You owe it to them to give an example and you owe it to them to allow them to get better, to just be called in and said, you know, hey, goodbye, so to speak, because of this reason. Short of stealing or doing something illegal, I think you're not, I don't think you're a very good leader. I think you need to give feedback to people and give them a chance to change. And as a leader who has been a CEO, uh, recognized for multiple accolades, you know, what questions are you asking of the people you lead to allow them to think much bigger and to live uh, you know, an empowered life? 
Well, you guys have some really good questions. It would be nice to have them before the thing started. I love how you put us on the spot. No, I actually have some very good questions I ask people. Number one is, what is more important to you at this time in your life, success or significance? Because each one of us go through that time period where success is so important to us. And since you can't give what you don't have, it's hard to be significant without success, right? Yet there comes that little cusp where people start moving more towards the significant part. And that's where I really want to help people. I want to help them with their success, yet I don't want to keep them there too long because then they start uh, they start believing their own press and they start thinking they're actually bigger than they really are, right? Uh, yet when we can get them at that cusp from success to significance and move them into the area where they're helping other people, it's so great. Now, by asking that question also, I find a lot of people that want significance and they haven't had success. Well, you can't give what you don't have. And so have you ever been at a, well, I took a class once. It was on for sale by owners. Now I had called on a lot of for sale by owners. I had listed a lot of for sale by owners. In fact, it was a year, I remember it so well because I had sold 49 for sale by owners. I wanted to do 50, that's why I remember it so well. And uh, they were doing a for sale by owner class and I thought, well, maybe if I take this class next year, I'll do better. Well, they were saying things that, All the first sale by owners I called on that I didn't list, plus the 49 I did, I'd never heard that. And the more they talked, the more I started wondering, do they actually even call on for sale by owners or did they just get this from somebody else and now they're teaching it? You know when you have that BS detector? That's a believability scale. Just, you know, believability scale. <laughs> Thank you for clearing that up. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you just know for some reason. So when I say you cannot give what you don't have, then go out and be successful. So now you can become significant by helping other people become successful. Another question I like to ask them is, what are your strengths? In fact, on my Facebook page, I challenged everyone to write down 100 strengths. And I said, now, the minute you read this and you're going to say, oh, no, I don't have 100. Yes, you do. Go find them. And it's amazing how many people are now writing back to me saying, Uh, You know, I was at 57 and thought I was over, and now they've gotten to over 100. One guy ended up with 107, and he was stuck at 10, right? We all have them. God gave us so many. So I asked them, what are their 100 strengths? The other part, what are your values? What are your values? Do you really think about those values? And do an exercise where you not only just choose your values, you actually write out the definition of those values. And then you write out where those values showed up in your life. By doing that one exercise, it's amazing how clear you can become in what you truly want to do with your life. You know, I always say there's two dates that are so important in everyone's life. The first one is the day you're born. And the second one is the day that you realize why you were born. That purpose, that drive, that determination, 
will show up. So I like to help people find out what is their purpose? Why were they put here on earth? What is it that they're to do? And then just help them do it. You know, I, I love it. The and and the value question. What are your values? A lot of us know what they are, but we've not really wrote them down or talked them out loud. I think that is such a powerful exercise. Well, and how much do we really work on ourselves? I know when I was younger, I have to tell you, I wanted to change everybody else. You know, if only they would be this way, then I would be better. If only this would happen. I was coaching someone, this is last year, and he said, well, if my mom would have been better, then I could be better. And I said, I get that. Now, let me ask you, if you went to the doctor and uh, you were ill and he wrote out a prescription, should he write it out for his mom or should he write it out or for your mom or for you? And he goes, well, why would he write it out for my mom? And I go, well, because if your mom got better, then you would get better. He's a little upset over that comment. And I go, no, see, correcting ourselves, that's the hardest, that's the most challenging thing in the world is to correct ourselves. Yet, unless we work on ourselves, we'll never be able to help anybody else. Never. Um, you know, people... People don't lead their life. They accept their life. And it's kind of like a life by design versus a life by default. And so questions that I like to ask people is to help me understand, are they leading their life or are they just accepting their life? You've got to get to know people and you can only do that through questions. And I've talked too much, so ask the next one. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you mentioned the two most important dates is the day you were born and the day uh, you you realized the the purpose behind your birth. Um, How does one figure that out? Because in a world where there's so much, um, there's the cliche, what is your why? how does one figure out their purpose on this beautiful blue planet that we have? You know, it's interesting. Um, I'm not exactly certain how it happens. I believe, though, I, I'm a person of faith. So, obviously, I, I was brought up that, that you pray for answers. And I can remember, actually, when it happened, I was, I was somebody that I, I liked helping people and making money in the process, right? (laughs) Uh, I would learn to dance, and so I taught dance. And I learned to twirl a baton, so I taught baton. And it was in one of those baton classes that I really realized that I was a teacher at heart. And I was here to add, I didn't think of adding value until later. I was here to help people learn things. And so I realized I had to learn everything I possibly could to help them. I couldn't help them twirl the baton until I knew how to do it better. And every time I would learn something, I'd go back and teach them. Uh, It just came to me that that's what it was. In second grade, Mrs. Perry said, "You, you do realize you're a leader. And I go, what? And she goes, well, everybody follows you. I mean, Anything you do, I know if I can get you to do it, they'll do it, right? And so she put that leadership into my head, and I knew that I was here to lead others. So I think it's being aware of what's happening around you, being aware of when your heart sings, being aware of 
the things that you don't like. Because if you made a list of everything you didn't like, it would be crystal clear of what you did like. It's that contrast that allows life to become so full and for you to know why your purpose and why you're here. Because if it makes your heart sing, uh, that's probably pretty close to your purpose, right? Absolutely. Just know. Absolutely. Love it. Love it. Uh, so we want to do something kind of fun with you, Diana, if that's okay. Okay. And, and ask uh, some rapid fire questions. And oh, these will be, these will be okay. one word or two word uh, type answers. They will all be serious. Mm. You can see me shaking my I head. Like you know. have fun. You do realize that. Okay. Well, we're going to have some fun right now. So I'm going okay. to play some music in the background and, and we'll ask oh, you some boy. of these fun questions. Rapid fire questions. All right. Um, what is your favorite? We'll start off easy. Favorite season of the year? Oh, Christmas. It's not a season. It is a holiday. And so anytime around Christmas, all right? Perfect. Um, I like this is my favorite one, actually. Uh, is it wrong for a vegetarian to eat animal crackers? <laughs> as long as they're in their soup, right? Okay. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, a place you want to travel to most? Oh, my word. I've been so blessed to travel so many places. Uh, that was supposed to be rapid fire. Uh, I'm actually going to Israel in February, and I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to go to Dubai and the Taj Mahal, and then on to Israel to walk where Jesus walked. Wow. Oh, my gosh. That sounds absolutely amazing. Yeah, it is, because I'm going with John Maxwell and Margaret, his wife. So uh, he, he has an in, I think. I keep telling him, you, ha you have an in with all that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, favorite junk food? Popcorn. Is double dipping at a party ever acceptable? No. <laughs> Have I done it? Yes. yes. <laughs> of course. Nobody will actually admit it, but we all do it. Uh, name, name one of the seven dwarfs. Sleepy. And I tell people never to read into the answer. <laughs> <laughs> go a mile a minute. That's the thing you think about, right? Thank goodness I didn't say dopey. For <laughs> <laughs> uh, very good. Uh, would you rather tea or coffee? Tea. Uh, do you like big dogs or small dogs? Oh. All. <laughs> I, dogs. I actually had two small dogs, three small dogs over my life. Yeah. So very good. Uh, just a couple of more here. Uh, would you rather cake or pie? Cake. Cake. Um, oh, we're actually, we're going to end up more, maybe more on a, a funny or serious <laughs> note, because uh, this is a great question for you. Uh, if you could ask God one question, what would it be? Oh, my word. One question to God? Um, why don't you ask me an easier one? <laughs> easy question. Yeah, easy one. Uh, That's supposed to be rapid fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was going to say, like, ask me what I'd ask Moses. Like, <laughs> Moses, how did you part the red? How no. did you put up with those nagging people for 40 years? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you, who washed your feet in the desert for 40 years? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I would ask God, what do you want me to do? 
good answer. Yeah, it was always going to be a good answer. What am I talking about? Um, <laughs> um, climb a mountain or jump from a plane? I've already jumped from a plane and I've already climbed a mountain, so both. Both, okay. okay. Um, oh, I, I had one more in my mind and I can't think of it. Are women complicated? <laughs> Well, there was a guy that found a um, a bottle on the, the sand, right? Like one of those genie lamp type things. And he rubbed it and the genie came out and he said, uh, you get one wish. And he said, well, I've always wanted to go to Hawaii and I cannot, uh, you know, I can't fly. It scares me. So I want to drive. So will you build a bridge to Hawaii? And he goes, oh, no, no, that's too complicated. And he goes, okay, says you need another wish. And he goes, okay, I want to figure out how does my wife think? I mean, how do women think? And the genie said, how do you want that highway to be two lanes or four? (laughs) (laughs) That might be the best answer we've ever got. That's the best answer for our women complicated. I love it. I love it. Very good. Uh, Thank you for putting up with us on that. It's a lot of fun, actually. That That is, I love it. I love it some funny and interesting answers and okay, for the queen of questions for us to ask you such random silly questions it's great to see your <laughs> response to them <laughs> it's priceless actually yeah yeah um no. awesome so i don't know how we go no, back to no, leadership or anything seriously we're gonna jump but, right back into leadership but we will okay. yeah um leadership now you had mentioned when you were uh, around grade two grade two your teacher mentioned, you know, that she saw leadership in you. And so between that moment to today and everything in between and building a massive business, leading so many people, what limiting beliefs you had to overcome during that time? Limiting beliefs that I had to overcome. uh, Number one, that I deserved a lot of it. Uh, I came from a very small town and it was interesting because being, I always said it was easy to be like student body president and head cheerleader and all that because there weren't that many kids. And yet I think back now and I go, well, there were only four cheerleaders and yet there were hundreds of students. So. Why did I think that? I don't know. Yet it was a limiting belief that it was like, I was always in leadership because there weren't that many, right? So, or then I went through, did I actually deserve it? Because now there's thousands of people that were in real estate and now can I do this? Every every year, January 1st, the very first thought I had was, will I be able to do it again next year? I mean, you go from 104, well, then you got to go to 125, and then you got to go to 150 or 200. And when we got up to 350, and there were only, there were two admin people, and Sean, my son, myself, and my other son, who's now a doctor, he would come in during summertime and help us, and we had a runner, right? I mean, that isn't a whole lot of people selling 350 houses, and you'd get up and go, oh, my gosh, can I do it again? Should I add more people? What should I do? Um, it was a limiting belief. I, 
I found that people would say, your expectations are so high, your standards are so high. And I had to overcome that limiting belief that, well, maybe I am too hard on people. Maybe I, and yet, we all have things that we're going through. Uh, the big one though was, do, do I deserve this? Seeing so many people that weren't doing that well. Yeah. Yet I realized that can't give what you don't have. So I realized by making a lot of money, I can give a lot of money away. And it's so much fun to be able, like, I love Christmas. You grab a family and you buy a bunch of stuff for them and you put it on their their doorstep and you ring the bell and you run like heck, right? And the kids and I, we, we would all hide either, you know, down in the car or, or around the trees or whatever and uh, watch them come to the door and see all that stuff and they'd holler and mom, I don't know, there's a bunch of stuff at the door. And if their window was open, you could see what was going on. I mean, it just, it's so great to be able on Christmas Eve to actually feed the homeless and see over 400 and some people show up for a sit down dinner. I mean, um, you can't do that unless you're successful. You can't help people unless you have it to help them with. That's why whoever's listening to this, really learn all that you can learn. Learn like you'll live forever and live like you'll die tomorrow, right? Because you can't give what you don't have. And literally, make a lot of money. Give it away. Do good with it, because money is good for the good it can do. Uh, People say, well, I don't want to make a lot of money because, you know, A rich man can't get into heaven and you can go through the eye of a needle. Well, do they realize the eye of the needle is a gate? It's a gate in Israel and it's big. Okay. It's not the needle like you sew with. And so many people don't know that. And so go be as rich as you can be and get, look at the good Bill Gates is doing. My word. I just hope that God blesses them all to make more money. People that'll give it away, let them have more because they'll help more people than the people that make a little and hang on to all of it, right? Because that's where the real greed comes in. That's the love of money when I got to hang on to everything I've got. Well, that's because we're not making enough. And you'll never make it until you give gratitude for having what you have. You can never go to the next level until you give gratitude here. And once you give gratitude here, you're in a vibration. You know, I do a lot with energy because of physics and that. And when you're in a vibration, you're sending out energy. And that energy is attracting the same type of vibration. So that's why when you complain, you get more to complain about. And when you give gratitude, you get more to be grateful for. And so the challenging part, when you said limiting beliefs, one of my challenges was literally uh, not having anything and giving gratitude. I mean, it's tough to put your kids in a red wagon. Neither one of them bought a red wagon for their kids. I mean, they, they told me, I think I need to go to therapy because of that dang red wagon, right? Um, That was challenging to put my kids in a red wagon, having them scream and holler and wanting to go places and do other things um, and, and to do that. 
So just know that when you have a goal, you can make it. When you give gratitude, and I was grateful for the red wagon. I was grateful that I could take them with me. I was grateful. And because of that, then it all happened. God gave a way that I could sell a lot of houses and get a babysitter so they were happier to and then give gratitude there, and then you go to this level, and then you give gratitude there, and then you go to this level. So don't be grateful for all things. It tells us to be grateful in all things. That, that one word makes such a difference. Don't be grateful for all things. Be grateful in all things, and then you'll have more to be grateful for. That sounded like a sermon. I apologize. <laughs> no, you preach, <laughs> preach, Diana, preach. Yeah. <laughs> now, you were talking there uh, about breakthrough, and that is what came to mind as you were mentioning that. And for a lot of our listeners who might be who are real estate agents, investors, and so on, because I've noticed uh, agents who are making around the 500, 600,000 GCI. Breaking through that million dollar GCI becomes very challenging. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is required? Thermostat. Go ahead. So, so tell us that. Tell us what is required from that person to break through that uh, million dollar GCI. Well, it goes back to that deserving. You know, uh, do you deserve to make a million dollars? If your financial thermostat is not in a million dollars, if you don't know what you would do with the money, uh, chances are you're never going to make it, right? Because if you're set, if you've been doing 500,000, that's where your financial thermostat is. In fact, you tell me how much you made last year, and I'll tell you where your financial thermostat is. It's right there. Because you'll sabotage deals. You'll make stuff up. You'll upset people. You'll do something that makes you stay at that 500000 And so we've got to start thinking bigger. And so what are people doing to think bigger? I mean, do you take the Rob report? Do you go out and look at expensive things? Do you tour million-dollar homes if you don't live in one? What, what do you do to increase your financial thermostat? Because once a brain is expanded, it can never go back to its original size. The checkbook exercise that I wrote into bold, where you literally started out with $1,000, and then every day you had to double the amount, and you had to spend it all on different things. There comes a point where you don't know what else to do except for give it away. So just the mere fact that you're going, what would I do with $100,000 in one day? What would I do with $200,000 in one day? What? And you go, well, that's crazy. I'm not gonna make that. Well, first of all, if you say that, you won't. And yet, just thinking about what it is, your brain starts going bigger, 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 and now all of a sudden, instead of thinking you're worth fifty thousand, you're worth a hundred, and instead of a hundred, it's two fifty, and then five hundred, and then a million. What would you do with a million? Think about being there versus dreaming about it. And the difference is, you got to feel it. You got to think it. You got to feel it, and you got to act as if. So, if I think about being a million dollar producer then I've got to literally get those feelings as though I already am a million dollar producer. 
and then everything just kind of falls into place because it's an energy and that's I would study energy a lot more is what I would tell a lot of people because I learned a lot from physics as you know in coaching skills camp I brought a lot of physics into it absolutely as we as we get close to wrapping up here, Diana, uh, at Coaching Skills Camp, you you shared a story that I'd love for you to share again. On uh, you were you were um, talking with a, a colleague or a close friend of yours that kind of made the the recognition of you did things a little bit differently than say kind of your core group of agents you were kind of uh, growing a business with. In fact, and you were the one that studied leadership. And I, I share with us how that looked or how that changed your financial thermostat? Oh, excellent. Well, the main thing is who are you speaking with, right? You become like the five closest friends that you have or the people that you listen to or the people that you hang out with. I mean, who are you on Facebook with? Are you on Facebook with people that actually talk things that will help you become a better leader? In fact, if you want to join me on Facebook, feel free to do that. Because uh, I put out leadership things all the time. My biggest change came, uh, I would read a book and I would want to get to know the person, right? So I read E-Myth Revisited and then went and met uh, Michael Gerber and became certified as a consultant for him uh, as I was selling real estate. Then I read John Maxwell's book, 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. Uh, I looked up and said, you know, where is this guy? How do I get hold of him? Where is he speaking at? He was speaking in Dallas. And so I flew to Dallas to actually meet him. And of course, he always says, I'm John and I'm your friend. And so I took the book up to him to sign that afternoon. And, and he says, what's your name? And I just put my hand across the book and I said, stop for just a minute. You're John and you're my friend. I'm Diana and I will become one of your closest friends. And I just give gratitude for that right now. So go ahead and sign the book. It has two ends, right? And he laughs at that. And yet I've got his cell phone number in my phone. We text all the time and we have become very good friends. What are you doing to go after to find people to talk with? Are you interviewing really great people in your community? You don't have to fly to Dallas or fly somewhere. I was in Denver at the time. Uh, Michael Bramshoff, uh, it's your ship took the Benefold in the Navy in the U.S. and turned it in from the worst ship to the best ship. Flew to Chicago to hear him speak, got to meet him. Who are you intentional about meeting? And are you asking them questions? I challenge you to interview one person a month in your community, a top person that makes money. Find out how they think. What is one of the things that they're fearful of? One gentleman told me, my wife has gotten so big from her illness, I'm afraid if she falls down, I won't be able to pick her back up. That was his greatest fear. And here's a guy that was a billionaire. And so you find out how they think, you find out what they're going through, and then you start emulating a lot of the things that they do. So who are you going to interview this month? No, I get to ask you a question. Yeah. <laughs> this is not how it works. Yeah. <laughs> well, did, did you see we both looked at each other? Who's going to answer that? Not yeah. me, not you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At some point, I would like to have an interview with Warren Buffett. I would love to have uh, a Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett. Yes. 
friend that got to meet him for 10 minutes. She walked in and she said, she did her investigation and she said, before we start, I just thought it would be nice if you literally had one of your favorite beverages. And she knew that he liked, uh, Coke. 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 yeah, it was cherry Coke, I think. And so she opened up the can and she knew that he liked it in a certain cup with the sonic ice, the crushed ice, and she poured it. And he goes, nobody has ever done that. Little lady, you can have an hour. Wow. Hour with Warren Buffett because she investigated and she was intentional. So be intentional when you meet him, okay? I, and it will happen if when you give gratitude for already doing it. And then go after it. Go chase it. Who are you going to meet? Well, I want to interview my my name like my namesake uh, Gary Keller. Yes. So we were yes. talking about that. Yeah. Well, there you go. See, just go and make it happen. Who do you want to meet? And then, how many people are you telling about it? Yes. Get, yeah. get to the right people. You're only five people away from getting to them anyway. You know that, right? It's funny because they say that we're five people away, but with the internet now, which has brought all of us so much closer, I almost want to challenge that to say maybe we're just two or three away. I don't know. Why don't you find out? That's a good research project. <laughs> now, yeah. who, who are you... Um, which next mentor are you uh, search, searching out, Diana? Actually, I, I just made it happen a little bit ago. I'm going to meet Oprah in January. Oh. Yeah. So I'm excited. I'm going to take my daughter-in-law with me. And we're going to spend two days and go down and uh, spend some time with her. If you need help carrying your bags, let me know. <laughs> I can Sometimes do it. it's only a matter of getting to meet them and one question. You know, it doesn't matter if it's one question or 20. It's just the mere fact, one, that you've accomplished it. And two, what you're going to find is there, you know, everybody's the same. We're all children of God. We all have different talents. And yet, are you willing to take a stand for yourself? You know, I, I, I was holding my journal. This, this is my journal. And um, this one's filled. Yet when you buy a journal, like my kids, this one was like $100, $100 and my, my husband just came in the door, so that's good. And uh, they said, why would you spend $100 for a book that has nothing in it? And I said, oh, because of the things you're going to put in it. It's worth so much more than 100 Yet, do you have a blank book? Because this is your life. Every single one of us are given a blank book at the start of our life. And we get to fill in the pages when we hold the pen. Oprah was told to change her name to Susan because nobody would remember Oprah. She goes, uh-uh, you're not picking up the pen to my book. I'm going to write my own story, right? And so she stayed Oprah. And I think everybody pretty much knows who she is now, um, unless you're under a rock or something. So what story are you writing? Are you giving the pen to somebody else, allowing them to write your story? Or are you writing your own story? Wow. What kind of a story are you writing? Is it uh, uh, a thriller? Is it a comic relief? Is it what kind of story? You get to choose. Yet, please, don't give the pen to anybody else. Yes. That would be the best advice I can give today. 
Just uh, two more questions before we run off, because I know we're cutting into your time now. Um, And this is the one that I really wanted to ask you. Like, what questions are you hardly ever asked that you wish more people would ask of you? Um, What question am I hardly ever asked? a great question. I don't know. I'm, I've asked so many questions. I, I don't know. Probably more questions about how great my mom and dad were. Yeah. Don't tell us. Yeah. Um, they, my mother was way ahead of her time, way ahead of her time. She uh, did rotisserie chickens before anybody ever did them. Hoagie, and san- hoagie sandwiches that she sold. Uh, and She'd bring people in to learn how to make chocolates, and then they would put packages together of the chocolates so you could buy them at the grocery store. Um, I don't know. That'd be great. Some questions, though, I like to ask people, because I've just thought of some of them that you asked me before, like, how are you investing in yourself? How do you see yourself? Uh, How's your self-image? Those are some questions I like to ask other folks. And those are questions that have never really been asked of me. Um, Are you genuinely interested in other people? How do you intend to make a difference in your life and the lives of other people? I don't know if any of those will help you. The big one is uh, in real estate was who do you know that I should know? (laughs) That's how we're going to end the podcast. Well, that, and I think we did the questioning wrong. We should have led with that last question. We should have led with that last question. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Well, okay. So one thing though, I do, I do want to say to people right now uh, at the Christmas time and the end of the year, it's really a great time for reflection. Go back through. This is one thing that helped me. I don't know if it'll help you or not. It's, it's a challenge though. You should go back through your calendar day by day through the entire year and see where you actually spent your time. Who did you spend your time with? And sometimes you find out that you spend your time and with people that did the least of what you asked them to do, they took more of your time. And you find that you were in the 80% of things you shouldn't have been doing when you should have been in the prospecting and all of those items. It's such a great reflection time. And uh, there's questions that, that you can ask. I'm just going through my journal right now because it's, uh, I can even send some of these to you, Colin, if you like. It's, that would be lovely. My self-analysis, have I, have I obtained the goal that I established as my objective for this year? Have I delivered service of the best possible quality of which I was capable of? Or could I have improved any part of the service I gave? Have I delivered service in the greatest possible quantity of which I was capable? Has the spirit of my conduct been harmonious and cooperative at all times? Have I permitted the habit of procrastination to decrease my efficiency? And if so, to what extent? Have I improved my personality? And if so, in what ways? Have I been persistent in following my plans through to completion? Have I reached decisions promptly and definitely on all occasions? Have I permitted any one or more of the six basic fears to increase to decrease my efficiency? Have I been overcautious or undercautious? 
Has my relationship with my associates been pleasant or unpleasant? What fault of it is mine? Have I uh, dissipated any of my energy through lack of concentration or effort? Have I been open-minded and tolerant in connection with all subjects? Those are 20, 13 of them. I actually have 29 that I go through. But that's what I mean when you keep a journal and you start refining what it is that you want. You can go back to it. And I go back to those pages at the end of every year and answer those questions. Sometimes it's real fun and I get to see all the greatness. And sometimes it's real ugly and I get to see the things that I wish that I could have undone. And then I give gratitude for my humanness because these fish don't swim in, per, in pure water, do they? They only stay alive when the water is kind of mucky. Well, I'm a human and I'm still alive, so I'm kind of mucky, right? And I'm still swimming in that mucky water, working to get as good as I can get. And uh, I just wish the best for everybody out there. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, whatever you worship, okay? Diana, thank you so, so much. What is next? Before you go, what is next for Diana and how can we help you? Because well, you're so grateful of your time with us. You know what? I'm, I'm here to add value and to make a difference. I know that's why I'm here and I'll continue to do that. Get on my Facebook page and, and follow some of the things and you'll see, okay? And what's your Facebook page? It's just Diana Kokoska. It's a fan page. I guess that's what they call it. I have no idea. I'm just learning all this. <laughs> it's so much fun. I mean, literally. I just posted uh, before I got on here... Uh, some things about finances that I was reading in Success Magazine. And so I shared uh, some of the things that we all have to do to be, it's not how much you make, it's how much you keep. And that's what I, that's what I titled it. So get on there and see. I got some good ideas for you, okay? Do it. Diana, thank you so much. Okay, see you guys. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure to click the subscribe button so new episodes will automatically be downloaded to your device. Please help us reach more people by leaving a rating and a review on your podcast player of choice. Now go make it an amazing day for somebody.